So guys, ladies, gentlemen, welcome to another Both Sides podcast episode. Today we have one of the goats of the industry, uh, Ivan Brassic. welcome. Mate, we got here, finally. I we know, we did. We tried to lock him down last time he was in Sydney, but um, he's a busy man. Well, I'm not in Sydney that much, that's <laughs> why. No, of course. But thank you. I don't know if I'm one of the goats, but uh, I, I appreciate the introduction. Good to be here, boys. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, I guess let's let's kick started off with it, you. Ha, you did leave the industry um, a little while ago. Yes, I think it's important because we ha, do have a lot of younger uh, listeners and a lot of young agents that are new to the industry that might not necessarily know the brand Brassic Whitney, yes. but don't know one of the co-founders Ivan Brassic since he's left the industry and the country to be honest. Yeah. So why don't we give them a little bit of a backstory mm. before we get into things? Yeah, sure. Uh, why I left or. Uh, <laughs> how we built it. How you, uh, both. <laughs> uh, look, it's a long story, uh, and I won't go through the whole story no. today, but I can certainly summarise it. Look, I got into real estate really young, 17, 18, straight out of school. Yep. Uh, loved it from the start. Uh, earned four or $500 a week as a leasing agent at a young McGrath Partners in Paddington. Um, so that was back in 1996. That's where I started. Uh, after a year of leasing, sales assistant to Shannon Whitney, who became my future business partner. So fate or whatever you want to call it, we ended up together working together. Um, in 1999, guys, we did 120 sales in that team, which back then was mm. like you know today, like doing 180 or 200 today. And by the way, I was 19 and Shannon was 23. And at that time, selling that much mm. real estate at that age was unheard of. Mm. But we also had a young boss in John McGrath who was 30, who was on 60 Minutes and you know he was one of Australia's fastest self-made millionaires. So... It was it was good, but when you compared it to our leader, it was you know he set mm. the bar very high for us early on. Mm. Bressig Winnie, as you know, uh, three years in as a standalone agent, I sold ninety nine properties, which you know Jeez, which, that's which, massive, which was quick. It was really quick, um, but I had a lot of great mentors around. I loved what I did. Uh, I was thrown a few listings, uh, but I you know I think I was naturally pretty good at what I did, and I was working for a great company at the time. Excuse me, 2003, we start Bressick Whitney in Darlinghurst. Me, Shannon, a young Charles Toomer. Wow. Uh, Charlie, Charlie Toomer. And uh, we had an assistant, Shannon's assistant. So just the four of us working out of an office. Never really thought how big it would get, uh, except that we were entrepreneurial and thought, let's, let's do this ourselves, just like mm. many young people these days. Uh, we worked in King's Cross. We specialised Darlinghurst, Surrey Hills. And... Uh, you know, the rest is, you know, there was incremental growth every year, some big growth, some years not much growth, but we're always focused on the customer, giving great service, honing our skills, developing people. It was bumpy, a lot of mistakes, mm. but, uh, you know, and the company grew. We went from Darlinghurst to Glebe, mm. had some partners along the way, and in 2019 I decided to sell out and move on, and here we are today, four years Why? Later. Good question. Um, I think as a, I was a really young agent. So if you think about, I'd worn a suit every single day from the age of 17 and a half, 18, every Saturday for the whole time up till I was 39 years old. There was probably 2,000 sales that I did in that time, maybe 3,000 listings, wow. maybe 500 lost listings in that time, maybe more. Jeez. So it's a lot of volume. Uh, it was a good journey and I'd create a lot of wealth. Um, a lot of wealth. Like if you'd asked me at 20, or Ivan, in 20 years from now, you're going to have a net worth of 20 or $30 million. Uh, 
do you will you still be selling real estate? I would say, no, probably not. I'll take that and mm. go do something else. Um, so, you know, along the way, I'd invested wisely. I certainly spent a lot of money in areas that I probably should not, <laughs> but you build wealth. Yeah. And look, some people want to continue to build wealth and stay, you know, keep their hands on the tools until they're 70. That wasn't me. Uh, I, I was, I wanted to be, I wanted to focus on my health. Uh, I've got an American wife. We decided to move to the US and start a family. What's uh, that been like, the transition? Uh, I've enjoyed it. I think the first two years were pretty tough in Los Angeles. It was COVID. Mm. But I've, I've loved it because I went from working six, seven days a week into a into getting my time and freedom back. What do you think the tipping point was for you to move? Yeah, I think it was, you know, the, the company was, was growing. We had a number of, uh, you know, shareholders across the business I wasn't at that point really incentivized by money. So like if I was, the more lounge rooms mm. I went in to ask them to sign with myself for a sale, that was not, I'd lost, I'd started losing the passion for that myself. I really enjoyed helping people. That part of it was good. And it's probably no wonder what I do today. So I think, you know, that sort of, my sister had some, you know, she, she went through breast cancer at that time. She survived and she was fine, but I was starting to think, mm, will I be doing this at 50? Like, will I be taking the A-frame out on a Saturday with a suit on at 50 years old. And that was something that I thought, I definitely don't want to be doing that myself. I understand why others do it. Mm. But at that point in my life, given that I'd started so young and I had and I had built wealth, like, what do you guys think? If you guys had 20 or $30 million, would you do it at 45 or 50? I'd be dipping. There you go. Yeah. You'd yeah. have to have the passion, wouldn't you? You would. Mm. Yeah. Like, so there you mm. go. How mm. old are you? 28. So you're 28 years old. I'm telling you, like, I was thinking that already, mm. you know, eight years before you, you're saying to me, well, Ivan, if I do that, I'd probably go do something else. Hmm. Um, but it is a great industry. It pays really well. So I completely understand why people stay in it until they retire at 60 or 70 years old. That just wasn't for me. Uh, I wanted to focus on my health. I wanted to start a family. I wanted to get some time back in my day. I didn't like vendors ringing me on Sundays and, and uh, upset, upset landlords about things. I just, I didn't need to deal with that anymore. I didn't want to. Do you feel more successful now with less momentum in the day-to-day versus when you were an agent at the peak? Good question. Obviously, I've been coaching for four years now and mentoring some of the best agents in the country. So that business has actually gotten better and better and better every year where Mm. it's a successful coaching business now, which wasn't my intention. A bit like going into real estate. Like When you go into real estate, you love it and you give great service and you build your database and you have mentors and it just grows and and you love it, you don't really know where it's going to go. Hmm. You're naive. In fact, your naivety is probably the thing that helps you grow. Um, so I think, was is it more, it's different. Like now I look back with a lot of confidence going, you know what, commitment and discipline will help you in whatever industry you go in. So all I did, like real estate's great, not only because it pays well, but it teaches you so many good habits. It taught me discipline, how to manage time, how to read a room, hmm. um, how to win people over, how to influence people. Uh, it taught me, like I did a yoga class this morning. I was way out of my depth. It was a, it was quite an intense yoga class. That's a good thing because that's the space where you learn and grow. Mm. So I think, uh, no, I think I'll look back at it now and think, if you put your mind to anything and you work hard and you have little wins and you also have mentors and people along the way, you can be successful at anything. Mm. I really believe that. At what point do you think someone should get a coach? That's a good question. What do you think I'm going to say? Straight away. Straight away. Yeah. How, how hungry I, are you? I think like I was blessed at a young age, a bit like you, Kev, that I had good <clears> mentors <throat> around me all the time. 
Uh, I got lost a bit in my 20s mm. um, with the success. And, you know, our office was in King's Cross and, you know, that was easy to get influenced around there to do late nights and things like that. I think I lost my way there in the 20s because I didn't really have any strong mentor or coach in my life at that point. Mm. I was Ivan Bresic, owner of Bresic Whitney. We were selling a lot of houses. I felt successful. And with that, there's a shadow to that. There was ego and bad decisions and the wrong people in my life. And that was quite empty. And I thought more success with a faster car and uh, more material things would make me happy. And it did make me happy. In fact, I don't think it does. It does for that long. Do you agree? That's so yeah, right. I, I agree. And yeah. it's something I think it's great to have these conversations to be more consciously aware of. Mm. So I've got a question for yourself now. Yes. 20-year-old Ivan had a blueprint for success yes. and achieved quite a lot. Yes. Has that blueprint changed now you're a coach who's got his fitness, health, marriage and kid yeah. and also a successful business and wealth? Has that blueprint changed? And if so, how would you mentor someone younger with the knowledge you know now? Yeah, I think there's some principles that never change. There were some principles around probably in the 80s that were there in the year 2000 that are there now in 2023. Hard work, determination, resilience, grit, um, being around the right people, having goals. That probably hasn't changed. But I think the world's changed a lot in the last 20 years. Like there were companies that we competed with that were like, you know, they were the Bresic Winnie or they were the whatever, the dominant, you know, um, team mm. in the year 2000. They don't exist anymore. So that just shows you that if you don't as an individual or as a company change and evolve, then that's, that's not a great place to be because you do leave yourself exposed to, you know, becoming irrelevant or losing market share. So the only thing I think is different to your question is, as agents or as business owners, you have to continue to think, well, about the future. You have to embrace change. You have to think about what you're doing. How can we do it differently? Like I just did a three-day coaching course in Los Angeles. I was with 15 other coaches. None of them had anything to do with real estate. They were spiritual coaches, life coaches, leadership coaches. But that was really good because that opened my eyes up to completely different industries. Mm. Now, that's a really good thing. So if you're an agent... You know how I how I sort of draw parallels to that as an agent is you got to look for things outside just what you're doing because it's highly like whatever we're doing today is probably going to change in a few years. The principles will remain, hmm. but even though, well, the way agents prospect these days that's different. I think lifestyle has changed a lot. Lifestyle plays a huge part in people's success now. When you say lifestyle, what what are some examples? What's lifestyle to you? I think for me, it's being able to do things that fill the cup. So meditation, going to the gym, riding a bike or mm. going wakeboarding. I think that's it for me f to feel presently successful is an important part of my recipe yeah. um, because it's easy. I know in the past when yeah. I've been so focused on achieving success, you eliminate those things yes. and you're chasing success rather than feeling presently successful. And I think it changes. Obviously, you know, you're at a level of material success, which is, bigger than me but it doesn't mean that i can't still feel levels of that now yes so i think for me that's something i focus on yes. which is why i'm curious for yourself is like you've got that level of actual success plus you're now at a balance and a piece in your life where you've got parts that are holistically quite well what would your advices be to people who are in their 20s or 30s yeah. to really connect both together yeah it's a good it's a great topic like i love like 
I'll, I'll go off topic a bit. Mm. I, I coach a method called the SALT method, which is S-A-L-T-T. And, and what that method is for success is you have to have skills. A is for accountability, mm. coaching, mentoring. Mm. Um, L is for lifestyle. T is for time and structure. And the last T is for targets and goals. So that I coach this method, this SALT method, and all those pillars are really important. So we're talking about lifestyle now. That's one mm. of my pillars for success. Uh, a number of agents I've worked with this year, guys, have made decisions not to drink this year because I haven't drunk for two years. And I've said, look, it's a great thing to do. I wasn't a big drinker, but I could feel that my energy would be down or not as focused or not as clear. And so a few of the agents that I work with and I work with a number of top performing agents in the country have made that decision and their results have really catapulted. Wow. And I've asked them, I've said, why do you think you're doing so well in a market where there's less listings? Why do you think your market share is going up? Why is your commissions going up each month? And the number one thing they put it down to is we think it's because we haven't drunk in that period or because we haven't had a drink all year. That's an example of lifestyle. But to your point, Danny, yeah, I mean, lifestyle is everything because real estate is so... You, you, it's so engulfing in everything. It's a lifestyle. Mm. Like you, if you choose to be a real estate agent, it's pretty much you're, mm. that's what you are. Yeah. You're not just a doctor, or a lawyer, or, or a you know a carpenter where you go to work and you check out. When you're an agent, you're an agent pretty much 168 hours a week. Yeah, <laughs> you know true. what I mean? It's true. Yeah. It is. So then you've got to bring in this lifestyle component, which is well, how can I complement being a real estate agent? And that is everything from, you know, meditation to yoga to Pilates to health and nutrition, not drinking, not taking drugs, not being distracted. Uh, you know, it's, it's the whole thing, taking, taking regular breaks. And these are things that I work on with my agents regularly because I find that if they're performing well at work, usually their lifestyle decisions mm. are, are, you know, are kind of connected and, and they're in the right space. Um, Sometimes when things aren't going well outside, uh, sometimes when things are not going well at work, you can actually connect it to, well, they're not making the right lifestyle decisions. Mm. And so for me, that's a really important one. It really is. So, yeah, I think in my coaching, that's probably what's changed. By the way, when we were in my 20s, everyone drank. Mm. Drugs was around. We smoked. We did all that. I'm surprised now 20 years on. I'm well, not surprised, but I think social media uh, – has had a big impact on people's decisions. I coach a number of guys and girls in their 20s and the amount of 20-something-year-olds who are saying, yeah, Ivan, I'm not drinking now. Like, that was unheard of 20 years ago. Mm. When I was your age, everyone drunk. Mm. <laughs> but they now, still do. They, do. they still do. Okay, I'm surprised about how many are open to, mm. Mm, maybe mm. not. So that, that's certainly, I think that's growing and, and people are saying, well, maybe, you know, I can cut it back or maybe it's not so good for me. Anyway. Yeah, it's true. Out yeah. of the salt formula, is there one out of the seven or however many letters that five? Oh, is yeah. there one letter out of the five which stands out the most, or are they all equal weighting? It's a good question. It depends who I'm speaking with and who I'm coaching. Mm. But like Kev, who's an agent, right? If Kev's skills were, I, I'm thinking about like a McClay Longhurst, right? Who I think mm. is one of the best agents in the country, right? Let's just use him as an example. If I think about the five pillars, his skills. 10 out of 10. Accountability. He's always kind of been accountable to me, himself, maybe Shannon. You know, he says that. He says he's got coaches. So uh, he, you look at his, uh, if you look at his lifestyle, McClay made a decision not to drink alcohol in Sydney this year. He's on track to do 180 sales. Wow. 
So he and he was someone who would have a drink and enjoyed himself, but he said, "No, I'm going to take your lead while I'm in Sydney this year. When I go overseas, I'll let my hair out." And I think that's a great decision. It's not an all or nothing thing. Mm. But he said, "I and he's a guy who meditates each morning, does his goals, you know, doesn't drink when he's in Sydney. Like he, you speak to him, he's here to work. So his lifestyle check. Then if you look at his where he spends his time and his structure, he doesn't waste any time." Mm. From the minute in the morning till he gets home, like he's using his time, he's got a great structure with his team to generate sales, 10 out of 10. And lastly, his targets and goals. It's something that I've spoken to him about for the last few years. Like we know exactly where he's at, where he's going. In fact, he's probably his numbers are probably going to be up on what the goal was, 175 sales. And we track that each month. I think this month in September, he's on 18 sales and he's trying to hit 20. He's got two days left. Wow. So, so I guess if we use McClay, who's the top eight in the country, he is an example of salt, the SALT method. He, he ticks the box in every single one of those 10 out of 10. Mm. Um, but like if I met with Kev or someone else and they said, my skills are good, lifestyle could be better, you know, that then we'd spend time there. Mm. Uh, if sometimes, I mean, I spoke to you guys off air, you, you know, who, who, have you got a coach? Like sometimes you need that. Like I believe everyone needs to be accountable to someone. I really believe it. Yeah. How do you think you, you differ from other coaches? Oh, good question. I don't. I mean, I don't see myself as uh, a typical mm. industry coach. Yeah. I feel like I'm more a. I'm someone who's had a lot of success in real estate sales. I used to love winning listings. That's that was my thing. So predominantly, sorry to cut you off. Yeah, right. Predominantly, are, are, are your clients just real estate agents? Just agents. Yeah. Um, and prince, um, real estate principals. Yeah. yeah. That that's my forte. Okay. Mm. That's what I know, and they're the people that I attract. Yeah. Um, look. You know, I don't really look at the other coaches in the industry. I know who they are, but what I do is very different. So it's it's very personal. Um, I've had that success. Like I grew, I helped grow the business from zero to what it is four years ago. And it's one of the best brands mm. this century. Uh, I create an enormous amount of wealth. Uh, health is really important to me. I'm also a father. Um, so I think I've, I I think I'm like I'm I'm quite pleased with my balanced approach. And so I try to be an example. I suppose, for, for the people I coach, something to look forward to. Like I think mm. of myself at 20 or 25, like Dan or yourself. And if you said to me, you know, Ivan, like what should my aspirations be? I'd say, well, try, try to achieve financial success. Look after your health. If you want to have a family and get married, then, you know, I certainly recommend it. And if you can do all that and be a good person, then that's a really good life. Mm. Um, so I kind of try to emulate that and, lead people on that journey because it's tough it's challenging real estate is as rewarding as it is you know as well as i do it's really tough and it, it can throw you around and you can get pushed around and hit down uh, things could be great one day the next day you know you can hate it mm. um, so i tried to really just work closely with my people help them with their performance help them with their lifestyle but we talk about anything I'm actually just helping one of my agents now, managing him. He's looking to change agencies. And he said, mate, can you help wow. me with that? And I said, yeah, I'd love to help you with that. So I want to help him, place him in the right organisation so he can have amazing success into the future. So it's not just scripts, dialogues. <laughs> no, not, not with the agents I work with. Um, you know, we will deal with some things yeah. like, like, like I've lost three listings or mm. I'm a bit off or how do I – but it's a lot around leadership. It's a lot around lifestyle. Obviously, goals and targets is really important. With goals and targets, yeah. can you elaborate a bit more on the, your mindset around it? Are you someone who says set big targets, achievable ones? Like, 
Where yeah. do you see people fall short when they set goals and targets? Well, I think, I mean, I heard someone say recently that they, you don't need to have goals, and I disagree. I think if you're a salesperson or you own a business, like you need to have, you know, some some type of roadmap, some, like, it'd be like us playing soccer. We need to, we need to keep score. Hmm. We need, an, or tennis. You know, what's the score? Like, who's winning here? Like, because real estate is about winning or losing. So I think targets, goals, how do I do that? I'd look at people's last 12 months and say, well, what did we do here? What are, the, what are the areas that you did well? What are the areas you think you can do better? Um, what's important to you? Mm. Like for some agents, I'll say, well, maybe you should be taking half a Friday off to spend more time with your partner or, you know, whatever. Um, so we'll look at their last 12 months, things, that, you know, the question I always ask people is, what are we going to change? You know, what, what is it we want to change? What are we going to keep doing the same? And what are we going to start doing? So what are we going to stop doing? What are we going to start doing? And what are we going to continue doing? So that's a question I always ask, you know, my coachees. Mm. And we kind of will base our goals around that. But I've got goals. Do you have goals? Mm, definitely. Like how can I sit here as a coach and someone who's had enormous success in the industry and say, oh, Dan, you know, goals aren't that important. That's ridiculous. Mm. I've had, I had goals ingrained with me since I was 18 years old. And I still have them today and I'm not even a salesperson. They're up on my wall in my home in Austin, Texas. And they change too because I go, okay, I'll tick that. I've achieved that. I've got to do that. Mm. And now I might go back and think about things on the flight. Then I'll add them to my goals to do before the end of the year. So if I'm doing that, if I was working with you guys, for example, that's one of the first things we do. So how do you- I'll um, give you another example. Sorry. Yeah. If I was a personal trainer and you came to me and you're a personal trainer, one of the first things you're going to say is, I'm going to say, well, Dan, what do you want to do? I want to gain muscle or lose- fat or I want to run a two kilometers in two minutes or whatever. So once we know that, once we know that that's what you want to do, well, now let's work towards that. How mm. can we achieve it? Does that make sense? Mm. Sorry. That's true. No. How often do you read over your goals? Well, they're just on front of me all the yeah. time. So like they're visible to me and I would recommend they should be visible to anyone who has them. So you want to see them and say, and again, I've had people give me three pages of goals. It's too much. Mm. Because you just get lost. And a month later, they're not even looking at them. Mm. Like I usually say to my coaches, three to seven is a really sweet number. What are the three to five to seven most important things that we're trying to achieve here? Mm. And and are they realistic? Are they going to stretch us a bit? And let's get after them. And I'm going to hold you accountable to that too. Yeah. 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 How would you deal with so what I what a personal struggle of mine that I'm going through at the yeah, moment is going through some hyperbolic like uh, listing and selling numbers that I haven't been used to previously. So we're on track for 20 plus listings this month and, you know, it's not numbers that I'm used to. So we'll just put on another person. But right now what's happening is my head's rattled. Yes. I don't know what, like I'm freaking out. Jay had to pull me aside yesterday and say, hey, like we need a chat because I'm stressed. What would you do in that position where you're leapfrogging a lot quicker than what you would expected to? Yes. Um, and you're now stressing out, what would you do? Get a coach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, but that's a good problem, Kev. Yeah. Because you, you're growing. So that's, there's always, you know, there's that saying, growing pains. It's a good thing. Yeah. But I think, again, salt method, you know, I would go, we skills are high, you know, your accountability is probably good. Um, you know, how's your lifestyle? Is that in check? You're going to bed early? Are you doing good things? Are you doing things yeah. that will give you energy rather than take your energy away? But I'd probably look at your, your time and your structure and your team and sort of see 
where are you spending your time and have you got the resources in place to handle that? That's the first thing. The second thing I find, boys, is most agents have like a mental capacity of how many listings they can manage at once. Mm. Like if you think about like someone like, you know, Alex Phillips, for example, he can manage 35 listings at once, no problem. Could he do 50? Probably not. So that's quite, now that's huge numbers for everyone, I get it. Then there's many other agents at the other end of the spectrum. Like if they're dealing with anything more than two listings, they're feeling like you right now because that's mm. their capacity. Like two listings, shit, now I've got to sell them. So I think this is part of growth and development. And people have different – I think people kind of have different potential. Like some will get that far, some will get that far, some will get – and part of my job is just kind of work out, well, how far can this person go? How far can we push them and – does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So I think to, just to circle off on that, I think for you, you would probably look for some guidance as to how you manage that. You've got to stay calm, mm. but it's a great problem. But I'm looking at my resources. If you're working with the right coach three months ago, they would have said, hey, Kev, you're getting really busy here. I can see that in September, you're probably going to have 20 listings. Have we got enough support? Have we got enough resources? Let's sort that out now. Mm. So I've got an agent that I'm working with, very successful, inner city agent, you know, last year did 50 deals, this year's on track to do 85. So he's got a junior agent and, an, and a PA. I told him three months ago, I said to him, mate, I think you're going to be busier than you think in spring or certainly next year. I think you need another junior agent. He goes, I don't think I do. I said, you don't think you do now, but I can see where you're going. I can see your trajectory. I think you will. So he started then looking for a junior agent. He's really close to putting someone on now. And what's he saying now to me? <laughs> wish you did it I'm glad that mm. we had that conversation because I'm really busy I've got 14 opens this weekend and there's only me and my junior yeah. agent yeah, yeah. so you kind of got to, me and Shannon I think did a really good job of this mm. when I was at the business we did a really good job of looking at an agent and saying where are they trajectory like you they're going that way how can we help and support that agent so when they get there it's not you know, does that make sense yeah, you're not pointing yeah, your Good on off. you. Well done, though. Good on Thank you. you. What Appreciate would your advice be to someone who's got the opposite problem of Kevin, where they're stuck in not having a clear foundational structure about prospecting? What do you think is the first thing we're going to say? Get a coach. <laughs> Get a coach. Um, look, do you have a coach that you I currently do. work with? Yeah, yeah, good question. I've had a life coach for about 13 years that I work with each month. And just last week, I did a three-day coaching course in Los Angeles, as I mentioned, with you know coaches from different industries. That alone was a 15,000 US investment. So for three wow. days, it cost me 25,000 Aussie. Wow. Now, that's an investment in myself. Mm. I think that's important. And I practice what I preach. So I've, I think as I've, you know, as I've transferred from agency owner, principal and founder into coaching, I just haven't sat back and, you know, said, oh, everyone come here because I know I've continued to try to better myself each year, mm. um, made decisions. Um, I read a lot. You know, I read 30, 35 nonfiction books a year, which I think will help me and therefore help my clients. I invest in training. I invest in coaching. And I think everybody should. Hmm. Yeah. Do you have multiple coaches or just one coach? I've got one life coach at the moment. But, you know, the course last weekend was quite interesting because they were more entrepreneurial and thinking about, you know, pushing pushing me in certain areas in the coaching, in the coaching space. Hmm. Um, my life coach, I... Don't think I'd ever stop with because I think that's she's been. Is this the same one for thirteen years? Yeah, yeah, she's been quite instrumental. No, no, she worked with us at Bressick Whitney when I was there, and I carried on with her individually when I left the business as well. So yeah, I do. What do your goals and targets look like now? Uh, Very different. Mine are sort of around health, 
around what I'm reading, around nutrition, uh, still around my roster, like how many people I want to coach, what does that look like, you know, what's the right type of investment, is there growth opportunities in the coaching space, which I think there is, um, you know, travel, mm. how I deal with my assets. Um, so I think that's, you know, that's kind of, it's changed. But I've definitely got them, yeah. Yeah. Question personally, mm. I'm working two-month blocks mm. where I work seven days a week for two months and then take a week off. Do you think that's good? And you're 28? 28. How does that work for you? I burn out really quick. So you, take- so you go two months fine. Two months through the week, but then you'll find towards the end of the two months you start yeah, burning. burning. Yeah. Like I, I leave in a week and a half, I'm burnt out. Yes. I'm gone. Yeah. It's funny. I mean, you've brought up two real estate objections, oh, two real estate challenges today that mm. I come across with my agents regularly. One is how do I deal with my growth? Mm. And two, I'm, how do I deal with burnout? Like that is the example of why coaching or mentorship is important. Um, but look, I've got a rule of thumb. I think when you're in your 20s, you should be having four to six weeks off a year. Simple. You know, as like, a maximum? Like as a minimum. Minimum. Four to six. Yeah. Four to six. Christmas is three weeks anyway, maybe mm. four for some. And then, but again, depending on what stage you're at, you're quite advanced for 28. If, you, if you're doing the business that you're doing with three or four associates, you're quite advanced. You might need six to eight weeks a year. Mm. I think in your 30s, it should be sort of six to eight or eight to 10 weeks, depending on how advanced you are. Minimum six to eight. Wow. Minimum six to eight weeks a year. Because again, I said before, it's like 168-hour business real estate. Mm. It's taxing. It's really taxing. And so you have to look after yourselves to bring the best for you. And, and it, like I look at it like a marathon. Every year is like a marathon. It's not a sprint. So if you're going to get in and go really hard, that's fine. But you, you will burn out and you will lose these things. And then you go, oh, I needed a break. But it's too late at that point. Uh, I think one advice that I do give a lot of agents, guys, is there's three or four public holidays a year. Use them to your advantage and block them out for holidays. Mm. So, like, you know, three weeks at Christmas seems reasonable to me. Then there's Easter. Maybe take a week or ten days. Uh, in June, there's the Queen's birthday. That's, that's an opportunity to take four days or a week. July is a great time to go away. It's winter. A lot of agents go away at school holidays. It makes sense. You don't have to go to Europe, but a week, two weeks, four weeks away somewhere, it makes complete sense. It's also the halfway point. Mm. Uh, this weekend's a long weekend in Sydney. So, you know, it's this would be a great time for to go away for a week or so. So, And then it's Christmas in 12 weeks. Mm. So I think you, you got to, I would recommend, you know, taking regular breaks, you know, every sort of 8, 10 or 12 weeks and make sure you're rested. Mm. It's really important. Don't drink. Yeah, That's it. Don't drink. I know. I'm bad. (laughs) Not bad, bad, but I have. I I told myself I wouldn't drink in between the two months. Yeah. And I have been. Yeah. Well, you're 28. It happens. Listen, I did too, you know, so, and I did a lot of it. But if I have no time again, maybe I would have stopped earlier if I had the right person in my corner saying, hey, it's not helping. Or maybe I would have just done it less. Because, Kev, you've got an amazing opportunity, let's say, to be an incredible agent and continue to grow. So you can get from here to here. The question I'm going to ask you is, do you want to get from here to here in two years or in five years? Two. You're going to say two. So I'd say if you want to do that in two years, make the sacrifices, cut out some of those things that are negative or take away your energy. Mm. And I'd probably, if I was a betting man, put money on that, you'd probably get there in two years. How so you see the impact of those decisions? Yeah, so I'm not true. saying you won't get there in five years, but I'm saying you could probably get there in two years if you make some sacrifices. If you were in your shoes again mm. and you were telling yourself, hey, I, 
I probably shouldn't go out this weekend. I probably shouldn't go out to this dinner and have these drinks. Yes. How would you force yourself not to go or tell or tell yourself in that mindset when you were younger not to go? Yeah. It's a hard one because you're young and you got to have fun and uh, you know, are you single? Uh, no, partner. Okay. Um, so especially for guys and girls who are single, you got to you know socialise and get amongst it. But I think it's, you know, real estate's a funny one. Like I would probably say to myself to answer the question, you know, do I deserve it this week or this month? Like, have I earned it? That's how I would frame it. Mm. Obviously, if there's birthdays, engagement parties, weddings, and things, you can't, you have to do that. Um, but the way I would probably think about it, if I had my time again, I'd go, you know, I don't really deserve it. I only had two sales this month, or I just got back from a holiday, so I'm going to make a commitment not to drink for four weeks. Mm. Um, so I'd probably break it up in in sort of blocks. Yeah. And I would say, you know what, I actually deserve it. I had seven sales this month i was really committed i haven't been out for four weeks i'm going to allow myself to go out and have a bit of fun this weekend and feel good about that so that's what i would probably have done different rather than yeah Mm. work hard play hard work hard play hard and all of a sudden you know Mm. you're feeling flat yeah 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 does that make sense yeah definitely i've got something that i'm kind of as front of mind for myself i'm quite fortunate now i've got consistency with my business where i'm earning good money and because i'm the owner i can take the commission and life is good and i'm building the kind of working towards that salt model you have but yes with my own coach but um something that comes across my mind because i speak with a lot of agents which is a bit of a different model to a buyer's agent is how you guys prospect and the model you guys use yes if you were in my position as a buyer's agent how would you build a what how would you prospect there's a thousand ways to prospect, but I think from my experience that if you think about it like this, right, whether you're a buyer's agent or a real estate agent or a real estate coach, if you just serve people, just think about it like this. Don't think of it like as an agent or as a buyer's agent. But if you were just committed to serving people every day, hmm. just keep serving people, serving people, giving great, not even expecting anything back, just keep serving people. Do you think your business will flourish? Definitely. I think so. So if you're a buyer, if you're in the buyer's agency space and you're just servicing people, you're not expecting anything back. Like obviously you're going to get paid for things, but I think if you do that, then you're building relationships, mm. and then you've now got you now you're a trusted advisor, and that's when you get paid. Like I think the most successful people that I've seen are people who got in the industry. They weren't even thinking about making money. Like we we were a lot of us were self-made. You know, we came from middle or you know, lower class, whatever you want to call it, blue blue collar. Um, and we got in there, rolled our sleeves up, became good at it, and then realised, geez, this can be really lucrative. I don't mm. think – and so I think when people go into real estate and go, I want to make money, usually they don't succeed. Mm. It's It's got to be the other way around. You've got to sort of get in and enjoy it, True. be around the right people, get better, and go, shit, I just made $15,000 for that sale. How can I do 100 of them in a mm. year? So I think that's kind of – a better way to think about it yep yeah we have a viewer question here yeah man uh, three daily non-negotiables for new agents win the morning you have to win the morning must prospect every day what does win the morning look like for you um, start with put start with doing and putting good things in your body so you know positive positive attitude uh, you know, get the blood pumping or, or move before work, uh, get focused and, you know, be ready to 
crush it, knock the door down, basically. That's what I think. Yeah. Especially if I was in my 20s, you know. As you get older, you have to manage that energy. Mm. Um, so if you win the morning, you usually win the day or the, the lunchtime, which usually means then you win the week and then you win the month and then you win the year. So winning the morning for me is really important. If you ever had a slow start to a day? Yes. And it just it gets really clunky and all of a sudden then you waste time and then you go get a salad and then you take a personal call. All of a sudden you've done nothing that day. Mm. Usually if you start well, you'll have a good rest of the day. So a lot of my top people, they're just, they, they've got the habit to just start well and you know hit the ground running. So win the morning. I think if you're in business, you have to prospect every day. So you know whether it's two hours or, or eight hours, if you've got an open day, prospect. You know, there's a thing that I talk about with my guys called with my guys and girls called laps. Laps, have you heard of it? Yes. No. Yeah. So you know, leads turns into appointments, appointments turns into presentations, and presentations turns into sales. So in any sales job, laps is a something that is pretty well known. The way to get leads is you've got to prospect. So so you know, leads turns into appointments, appointments turns into presentations, presentations turn into sales. That's basically how it works. So you have to prospect every day. Um, yeah, and I think, look, I, I'd just serve people. Like, I'd continue to serve people. Where a lot of, where Bresic Winnie got it right for 20 years is we served buyers and mm. prioritised buyers. And you've interviewed some of the guys <coughs> previously. Yeah, They've you guys said, kill We it. all say the same thing there. Now, mm. that's worked effectively for our business and for all the agents I coach now because, again, buyers want to be served. They need help but they largely get forgotten. So we coached that early on, and that was part of what Shannon and I did when we started the industry. So we just transferred those skills through to agents that worked with us. They then started to create relationships, and you know, 15, mm. 18 years later, we've had 20, 20 incredible agents. We've had plenty of agents, but we've had 20 agents who've become partners, started their own business, or 18 agents, I think, have been in the REB, top yeah. 100, that have worked with us in the past or work with us now. No other company's done that in the last 20 years. You know? mm, and and I would say eight of those have moved on and started their own business and I'm really proud of them and good on them. And, you know, there's 10 of them still back in the business. And so it's been a successful method to focus on buyers. Yep. Bressic Whitney is an incredible brand. Yeah. it's. I think it's got one of the best branding in the country. Yeah, From my side of the fence as a buyer's agent, I think you guys have nailed it. Thanks. I'm not going to take credit for that, but... Uh, the investment that we made, that Shannon and I made early on, uh, and the business made in branding the offices, mm. it was a big investment. You know, so uh, it didn't mean as many profits going through to us, but what what it did do was create a you know a really polished brand mm, with people going. Polished, I really isn't it? like it. Like yeah. People say that I love you. I love your advertising. I love your you know. They, they they would say that all the time, but we had to pay for that. And often we wouldn't just go to this person. We'd say, well, who's who's the best that can help us with this? Uh, we had a, Get a coach. Yeah. Oh, well, no, we had we had an internal creative person from the start. We had we had an, a, a, we had an advertising, a, a head of advertising in our, who could have easily been working at a top advertising agency. Wow. So that's an investment, hmm. which a lot of agencies, they wouldn't think about. They'd think about property management, reception and sales. Shannon, with his vision, because he was a, he's a great visionary, my ex-business partner, he would put on a marketing head of marketing who probably should have been at a high-level advertising agency. Mm. Not many companies in Australia do that. But the result is, yeah, I best, see you, yeah. I meet you, Dan, five years, four, you know, four years after I leave, I go, man, I love the brand. Mm. That's the result, investment. So for like agents in McClay's case, yes, w- would he still be working just as hard on the buyers, or is he just would he now just be focusing on his warm 
warm sellers. Yeah. I, I did a webinar with him recently and it's on my YouTube channel, but um, and I asked him the same question because I said, mate, you're meeting 200 buyers every Saturday. Surely you're not looking after them yourself. And he said, no, 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 I'm not. Let me just get that right. He said, I look after about 20 buyers now and they've pretty much all got something to sell. Yeah. And his team will then look after all the other qualified buyers who are looking. But again, he's evolved from someone in his 20s who had no market share and no one knew him to mm. <clears throat> 10 sales a year, to 30 sales a year, to 60 sales a year, to 100 sales a year, to 135 sales a year, to 180 sales a year in the last seven or eight years. So, you know, I said before, what are you going to start doing? What are you going to stop doing? What are you going to continue doing? There's things that he's had to stop doing because he doesn't have the time for that anymore. There's things that he started doing through, oh, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do that. or And there's things that go, no, I have to keep doing this because this works. Mm. I'm not going to let that go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does that make sense? So I think to answer your question, every agent should be looking after – if you want more listings, look after buyers. Pretty simple. <laughs> yeah. So how would your coaching work for people that are Clay's – McClay's level? Yes. Or someone like myself who's still young yeah. in the process? Yeah. I, um, I went into it just saying, well, can I help people? And I had a wide range. And as the years have gone on, uh, and I, I'm in my fourth year of full-time real estate coaching and mentoring – uh, I now offer different programs. It's look, I like one on one because everyone we're all unique and different, and we all have different challenges and different strengths and weaknesses. So, I like one on one. I find that that's the best way to get real cut through. But and therefore the investment's obviously gone up due to the demand, basically. Um, but I'm I'm creating some programs and some you know some group things to help the community that because I like to help people. Mm. Um, but I can't be everything to everyone. Yeah. yeah. You know, time's limited. And again, I made this decision where I, I didn't want to work 60 hours a week, Dan. Like, that I've created a lot of wealth, as I said, more than I need, but I'm, mm. you know, very happy with that. Uh, I want to work. I want to keep working till I, till I die, really. Um, but, you know, 30, 35 hours a week, that's, 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 my, that's my sweet spot. Yeah. Would you advise? It's pretty good, huh? It's phenomenal. <laughs> Do you think that you could I'm build the framework? Your framework now for how you live, could you do that at my age? Or do you feel you need to do the 60 plus hours a week? No. I think at your age, you you have to grind. You have to work. Because if you just look at the industry and look at your competition, if you don't do it, Mm. someone else down the road is going to do it. And, Mm. yeah, it's very fruitful. Like if you you get your business right, which I know you are and you're on the right track, like, mate, it's something you probably never even thought was possible. Same as you, Kev. Mm. So I think 20s is a great time. You've got energy. You mm. can deal with rejection. You're coming from nothing anyway, mostly. Mm. So like, well, when you want to work and better yourself and, you know, learn about crack. yourself and what are your insecurities, what do you feel confident about, who can kind of help me get from here to here, that's the time to do it. But you will find things will change when you turn 30. You'll think about things differently. Um, you'll maybe have some assets under your belt. You'll feel more confident. You would have had a couple of relationships maybe. And so, and, and you'll be better at what you do and, mm. and you'll have past clients. Then you go 10 years forward. So 30s is a great time to really build wealth, in my opinion. That's mm. like if you get good at what you do in your 20s, which I did, I got exceptionally good at 20, 21. Mm. Then by the time I was 30, I was really hitting the ground running and investing each year, sales. You know, I had profile and, you know, it was really enjoyable place to be. Mm. I spoke to an agent this morning, he goes, man, I signed a listing last night, $3 million, 1.8%, 100 
uncontested. He goes, this is a great industry. Now, admittedly, he's 40 years old and he's just been working hard for 15 years. Hmm. Is he lucky or like is it like that for everybody? No. He's earned that over the last 15 years. Does that make sense? Mm. So as a result of him grinding, doing all the hard work, serving people, gaining profile, getting track, you know, good results and a track record, he can now walk into a house uncontested, sign it, and walk away with a check for 56000 or whatever it is. Mm. Pretty good. So I think in your 20s, grind, go hard, try to stand out above the rest is what I would say. 30s to 40s is a great time to build real wealth. Yep. And then I think when you get to 40, like I did, I think you'll think differently about life. I'm not saying you won't do what you do, but you'll go, shit, man, maybe I've lived half my life here, which a lot of people think about because that's, that's mm. where midlife crisis yeah. is. You know, 40 years old, wow. Okay, am I healthy? Am I not? You might, Unfortunately, people might get sick or pass away. It happens more as we get older and you start thinking, geez, is, is, am I just a real estate agent? Like, you know, mm. is there other things to do? Then you'll have family as well. So... There's a lot of – it gets more complex, but it also gets better, yep. I think, as you get older. But I would say the energy you have now at your age will be different to your energy mm. at 40. It's interesting because we're very fortunate, Kevin and I, to be able to meet people like yourself in the top 1% in our industry. And something that of late with the people I've interviewed recently or spoken to is a lot of them have success here, but other areas of their life is unraveling. Yeah. And it makes me question – where, where I'm at now is w- like what is success actually to me and what's and is that the right formula for success that we're hearing because yeah you're doing good numbers but here sucks and then you have to change your whole life to fix yeah. this mess you've created yeah mm. so what, what's your perspective on something like that I think it's a really good point because if you look at a lot of like child stars right what mm. happens to them as they get a bit older like when I'm not talking real estate like yeah drugs fall off yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. So they've got all this. They they think that the success, you know, their their happiness is based around their success. They've released a song, or they're a child, you know, they're a young actor, and they've got all, and all of a sudden their lives fall apart five years later, and they you know people are laughing at them. So I think uh, I had I always the way I was you know as I came through my twenties and I was having more success. I just thought that you get a better car, you get a better watch, you get a better suit, and that's what life's about. But I found when I got to 30, 32, and I had all the cars and all the toys. It didn't. I, was, I felt quite empty. I was like, mm, mm. "Am I going to have to continue to, to get the next best thing?" Mm. And if I do keep doing it, is it making me any more fuller inside? And it didn't. Uh, I started meditating when I was about thirty-two. That was really leveling for me. And when you meditate, you kind of lose. You, you know, you, you lose attachments to things, which is a good thing. Mm. Um, and that calmed me down a lot. It helped my soul. It helped my spirit. I was more patient. I could listen better and I probably didn't care as much about those material things and I was happier. So I went from that way, yeah. far that way pretty quickly. And funnily enough, I had some leadership issues because we had a business and some people had left us and I think that kind of lost respect for me because I was too far this way with the material thing and having a good time and projecting success, too busy doing that. But interestingly, when I made that shift, Dan, and I was more present and I could sit with people and see how they're going and be patient with them. And I got rid of all the toys, which I found that my connection with people was a lot stronger. And and I had a lot of feedback. People saying, man, you, mate, you're a much better leader. Um, you're more present. Uh, people enjoy working with you these days where they didn't really enjoy working with my 20s. Is that because you were like 
a dictator at work or why is that? Most successful agents are really good at what they do and they're in some ways perfectionists. Mm. And so it's like, I've got to do it my way. This is what got me successful. Do it this way. Follow me. Watch what I do. And I think there's some ego there with a lot of agents, as you know, um, usually that stems from insecurity. So I think in my 20s, Kev, I was probably there, like successful in terms of sales, doing 100 sales plus each year, but probably uh, too caught up in my own world as a result of probably some insecurities that I hadn't dealt with. Mm. And without me knowing, you're disconnecting the people around you that you're hoping would support you. Um, so, yeah, I think it, it's, a, it's a journey that we all go on. I, I expect most young agents to go through that. But if you can be coached and mentored through that so you're aware of those blind spots mm. and someone say, hey, Kev, you're getting ahead of yourself here. Yeah, great, mate. You earn X this month, but next month's a new month or don't let it go to your head. I think that's really important. Like I, I really think that that's important. And you even said off camera before that some of the agents that you've interviewed at Brucey when you've been really down to earth and humble and mm. – and I think that's largely due to, you know, mm. our, mine and Shannon's, you know, one of our values was humility. So we, when we brought that in, that then sort of filtered through the business. And the result is you go, man, we interviewed some of your guys and they were very down to earth and humble. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think the industry doesn't have as much of that from the top guys anymore or not anymore in general. Yeah. From my side being, mm. yeah. What do you prefer? I prefer the energy of the more humble, down-to-earth. People who build a holistic life and they're not – real estate isn't their life. It's a vehicle to build a life. Correct. That's what I see value in. Good. And I think Good, as a result of that, you build bigger and better anyways. Yes. Because the people that – Because your, your set of values is in the right place. That's right. And you're not having to mop up mess, mess. down the track because yeah. you've – that's just my perspective. Hey, mate, I, I'm with you 100. Hey, mate, yeah. I'm with you 100. percent No, no, I'm, you talk very maturely, and I'm <clears> glad you say that. And I think it that it would be great if the industry went mm. all that way. Mm. It'd actually be good for the agents because I think most people out there think we're overpaid and don't like us. Mm. And so if we're doing that, all we're doing is throwing fuel on the fire. You know, if we're going to throw it in their face and think that we're the next, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm glad you think like that. Mm. Of your coaching clients, yes. what do you think the biggest bottleneck is as the most common denominator? How do you mean? Like um, the biggest bottleneck to uh, them progressing. What do you think the number one is across your coaching clients' mindset? Yeah, I think it's mindset. You know, um, John was like John McGrath was great. Like when I worked for him as a, as a, a nineteen year old, he was awesome because he would say whatever you did, he'd say you can do better, you can do better. So he was always raising the bar with you, even at twenty years old. And and when he said it, and he was he had an aura about him, you walked away going, man, I probably can do ten sales a month. I didn't think of that. Hmm. So I think the biggest thing I find, I mean, I work with the you know really high level agents. Most of my agents are two million plus writers. Most, you know, um, and so. There, I think it's for them, it's kind of, they know how to list and sell, Kev. Mm. Um, it's more about, well, what is possible and how can you lead in a way where you can have people support you on that? Mm. I think that's the important one because no one can, you can't get there on your own. It's not going to happen. You need a good team of people around you. But if you're not treating them well and you're not showing interest in them and caring about them, then they're going to do this to you. And that's not going to work. They're going to pull you down. So I think the biggest thing I work on their mindset: how are they feeling? What are, you know? Are they positive? 
what does the next level look like and what's that going to take and how are we treating our team, you know? What are they doing, you know, are, are we showing interest in them? What's going on in their world? Uh, I sat with an agent yesterday who just joined one of my high-performance teams. I spoke to him for about 40 minutes and I found out things about him that he he said, he, he goes, I don't share this with anybody. And I met him for the first time on a Zoom call. Wow. And I learned so much about this guy in 40 minutes and he said to me, he goes, I've shared this with one or two. He was 25 years old and he shared things with me that he said he's only shared with a handful of people. Now, that's important because if I'm, his, if I'm the lead agent and he's working for me, that's important for me to know that mm. so I can show interest and I can support him with that. If I didn't ask those questions and in a respectful way and he didn't open up, you know, he's going to be like that. He's going to be closed off. So leadership's a really interesting one, and that's one that I broach or you know broach a lot with the guys who are at that level and beyond. Leadership, big time. Yeah. Would you have done anything different when you were coming up as a young agent? Mm, I mean, like you have to learn mistakes. Mm. Like you know, they all so, forward. Yeah, th- those. I think those mistakes are a good thing. Um, I might have maybe focused on more suburbs. I was very two or three suburbs. I might have. Why? Why is that? Because I think like data, sharing of data, e-newsletters, technology, it's gotten easier to have a bigger core market. That's what I think. So 20 years ago, we didn't have websites. So like you would pick a certain suburb and you'd try to get signboards up in that suburb, sell them, and that was your thing. But I think these days technology has really moved the dial forward where you you can probably have, you know, a bigger data, you could have a bigger database. You could probably sell across six. I'll, I'll work with. Mm. If I think of an agent, I'm working with an agent at the moment, and you know he's 29 years old, 15 deals last month, 550,000 GCI last month. Jeez, uh, wow, 29, 29 years old, and he uh, he sells over 15 to 20 suburbs. So he's able to do that. Really? Yeah, in the east. How do you build brand? Within a, within a core area if you're selling across so many different suburbs? I think there's always an epicentre. So let's not think that he's mm. strong across 16 suburbs. I think there's an epicentre of always two, three or four suburbs that you're really mostly database in. You're very confident. You're very, you've had a lot of track record sales in three or four suburbs. So I think there's always an epicentre. What I'm saying is I think agents these days can expand those boundaries to eight or ten suburbs. And that means communicate well Mm. with buyers, owners, and sellers in eight or ten suburbs. Because what's that going to give you? More what? More work. More opportunities. Because if you think about the guys in Balmain, just use that as an example. That's a peninsula. They can only do like 60 sales a a year in Balmain, Birchgrove, Roselle. Part of the growth for those two boys, Andrew and Adrian, for example, long-term, long-time friends of mine and, and, you know, guys I work with, they had to expand their boundaries. Mm. So if they wanted, Adrian did 104 sales two years ago. Andrew Liddell's going to do 90 sales this year. If they just had, well, I'm going to specialise in three suburbs, they would be restricted at 60 sales a year. Mm. But they do sales in Annandale, in Five Dock, in Dremoyne, in Glebe, in there, in Lilyfield. So they've expanded their footprint, which has given them an extra 20 or 30 sales a year. It makes sense. But that was very difficult to do 20 years ago. Mm. Does that, that make sense? Yeah. And that comes strictly back off the back of buyer work, I'm presuming, because you're not going to be out there prospecting a, a street in Glebe after you've just been sold a property in Balmain. 
I think it starts with, we've all got three databases. You've got a buyer database, an owner database, and a pipeline seller. So I think it starts with, I'm going to start collecting data of all owners in, not just in these suburbs, but I'm going to expand this to these 10. You might do it where you are. I'm going to start just putting owners there and owners there. Then the next level down is, well, now I'm going to service buyers who are looking out here and looking there rather than just here. So when you serve, serve, serve these people, they end up buying and sure enough, they come back three years later and now I'm getting a listing that's three suburbs away, which I might have not if I kept my, if I kept the blinkers on. Does that make sense? Mm. Mm. So yeah, I think it's, you know, it's, I think agents have more capacity now with technology. Yeah. Yeah. With younger agents, um, as I mentioned, we've got a lot of young agents um, listening to this. Yes. What would be your best piece of advice for them as they come through the industry and they see a lot of the ego? I think people will, uh, clients are, some clients are going to love us. Hmm. Some clients are going to loathe us. And our job is not to listen to any of it. <laughs> yeah. Like, true. do you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. Like some people are going to love us and they'll be our clients, but that shouldn't go to our head. Some people, some clients are not going to like us and they're going to dislike us, but that also we shouldn't think about. So I talk about this thing about staying centred. It's kind of, you know, a meditation thing. Hmm. Um, that's probably one of my best advice I'd say to, you know, highly energetic 20-something-year-olds. And you're only as good as your last sale as well. So, like, if if you had a good sale, that's great. If you didn't, well, you know, um, back on the horse and, and keep going. Hmm. But I think having goals, being around the right people, having a level of humility is a good thing because you can feel, like I said before, you can feel up one day hmm. and then be knocked off the perch the next day. And anyone with experience and wisdom will tell you that's probably going to happen hundreds of times. So you might as well just um, – I'd talk about working from centre because, you know, I think it, like, every year is like a marathon. It's not a sprint. So you're trying to conserve your energy. Like you just said before, you got burnt out a little bit. You're trying to conserve your energy through that 12-month period. So when great things happen, you know, I tell my guys, girls, just let's stay centred. You know, if you've had three sales, great, but just that's okay. Like it's mm. just part of the journey. But equally, if you've had a tough week, tough day, tough month, you know, bring yourself back up and try to work from here. If we're centered, we're probably going to get from here to here a little bit more with better energy Then this is very consuming. Mm. You know, that you, all that emotion, I feel great. And then this, and then you're walking around the next day like this. That's very consuming, not only for you, but the people around you as well. So you're trying to stay centred as much as possible. So do like people ask me all the time, sorry, people say, Ivan, how are you? I say, I'm, I'm, I'm eight out of ten. I'm always eight out of ten. Now, it's a bit of a joke, but like literally I always try to find myself or mm. pick myself up or bring myself down to eight out of ten. So because ten out of ten, what, what could that mean? Uh, you're good. I would say it's probably not going to last. Mm. You, you are never mm. ten out of ten all the time. And at the same time, if yeah. I said I'm six out of ten, you're going to go, why? What's wrong? Mm. Six is a bit. I'm going, mm. So, like, I'm always trying to psychologically get myself and bring myself mm. to eight out of ten. And that's the level I like to operate at, eight out of ten. So do you think... Because I think I can maintain eight out of ten. I think mm, you can too, and I think you can too. It's consistent. It's centred. We're going from here to here. We're in a good rhythm. We're mm. in a good... Yeah. So do you think it's better to have incremental... Um, growth rather than a Grant Cardone 10x rule, like 10x your actions and 10x your results? Do you think it's better for incremental? When I look at most the elite agents or the high performers, it's it's been, it's no one's, a, like everyone's a 15-year overnight success. Mm. It, it just doesn't happen in three years. 
Um, but you do want to be better than you were last year. Mm. Unless the market, I know the market shifted a lot 2021 to 2022 and you know part of that was an adjustment. Oh, I did that. Why can't I do that? Well, the market was so strong. So this is a different market. But generally, you should be trying to do a little bit better every year. A little bit better, mm. a bit better leadership, more listings, more sales, upskill your team, take more breaks, get more fitter, invest more money, spend mm. more time with your partner, with your wife, with your kids, you know, start doing some things for charity. Like, you know, it should get better and better and better. And that's that's what we're here for. Do- like, as a human, mm. it feels good to progress, doesn't it? Yeah. It does. It just does. Like, and if we regress or we sit back, that it doesn't feel that good. So the idea, guys, is and for any, like we're trying to progress in these areas. And when we do, it feels good. It builds our self-esteem. It builds our confidence. It, it, it makes us more fuller and, and happier. And I think that's the place we want to get to. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, that was phenomenal. That no. was an 8 out of 10. <laughs> I'm happy with that. I'm happy with that. 8 out of 10. <laughs> now, um, I, I've got one last question yeah. for you. Uh, it's a bit of a personal one again. Yeah, man. Based on as the little information that you know of me, what would be your one piece of advice for me? Uh, based on some of the things you've said today, yeah. I think you need someone in your corner mm. uh, not to tell you what to do, but to guide you. Mm. Um, and that's why having, you know, having, having someone with wisdom um, who's been there before, of course it's going to help. Like if we went and walked you know, Mount Everest, like, are we going to do it ourselves? No. We're fit. We'll probably get to first base camp, maybe second base camp. But, like, that would be pretty silly. I reckon we could do it. Hmm. But, like, wouldn't it be I better for we do it too. We could do it. Let's, let's, let's go. <laughs> but I think we need Sherpas. These Sherpas, they walk it up every day. They know where to go. They go this way. Then you go that way. Oh, we're going to stop here. We'll light the fire here. There's some wind coming here. So let's just stay here overnight. Okay, we're ready to go, guys. Okay, now we go up there. Now hmm. you're going to start losing your breath. That's what mentorship and coaching is about. And so uh, I would say to you that, you know, some guidance there, because you sound like you're a very skilled agent, your business is building, you've got some great associates, I hear great things about what you're doing, Kev. So I'd say, mate, that, that can be – because even mm. if you pay a coach, like, whatever, 20, 30 grand a year, um, they could give you 5 or 10 – they should give you 5 or 10% growth. Enough said. Based mm. on what you're earning, and we don't need to talk about it today, but based on what you're earning, 5 or 10% growth – on a twenty thousand or twenty five or thirty thousand dollar investment, does that make sense? Yeah, because if you're a two million dollar rider and you pay a coach one or two percent of that, that two million rider could probably go to two point five. He's paid one or two percent, twenty or forty grand for that. Mm. No brainer. Mm. So um, I don't know. Look, I, I looked. I, I watched Wimbledon uh, U.S. Open a couple of weeks ago. You see Djokovic, he wins again the twenty number twenty three or twenty four title, and the first person he thanks is his coach Goran Ivanisevic. So, like, Ivanisevic was not nearly as good as Novak Djokovic, but he's got someone in his corner who can mm. see things that he can't, and and that's what's made him arguably the goat of tennis. Mm. Yeah. So Love I do it. think it's really important, mate. Yeah, yeah. I do. Love it. Yeah. Last question from me. Yeah. What feels your – what's been the biggest part of your fulfilment? When? Because <laughs> it's I'm 45, so it's changed. At 45, uh, probably my son. I'd have to say, and I didn't think I was going to have a kid in my mid to late 30s. I thought maybe it's not something, but that's been a huge. I'd have to have to say that hmm. because Kobe's cute. You see them grow. You're a father. You have responsibilities. 
you know, you're, you're part of the parent world. So that's been great. Um, I think professionally, you know, I think the industry is, a, it's just a great industry. Um, and so to do what I do and to work with the people, I'm just so, super grateful. And again, I told you, I don't work that hard. I asked you guys, imagine you're in my position, you guys go, I'd love to do that. So I, I don't take that for granted. Hmm. I don't make the money I used to make, but I don't need it. Yeah. So it's like, it's a really, it's a really good lifestyle that I've, that I've got to, but that was 20 years, 22 years of like literally six, six and a half day a week, lots of rejection and you know how the rest goes. Yeah. Hmm. But it was worth it. It was definitely worth it. And I tell people that all the time. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have done it any other way. No, you've got the setup, man. Thanks, mate. I think Thank so you. Too. Appreciate, Appreciate it. it. Hey, man. Thank, Thank you. Lovely, Thank to, you. lovely to see you guys. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate boys. it.